The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Good morning. It is your money on this Sunday morning, the Wealth Enhancement Group. Happy to have you with us. I'm Susie Jones, and we're talking about picking stocks the right way. Everyone seems to think they have the key to picking the right stock. And Peg is joined today by Nicole Webb to talk about how to pick stocks in a way that keeps your financial plan first. Good morning, Peg. Good morning, Susie. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm very curious about this topic, so I'll be listening carefully. Yes, and I uh, have a my one of my favorite guests, I have to tell you, is Nicole Webb. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Uh, Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor, Certified Financial Planner, uh, 15 plus years working in the financial industry. Most of those years, happily I'll say, is with the Wealth Enhancement Group. And she has held leadership roles, technical roles, advisory roles. But this is the most fun part, I think, is that she is a media star, I would say, a frequent contributor to CNBC, Fox Business, Bloomberg, TV and radio. But uh, the other thing I want to mention, Nicole, is your perspective on the roundtable is just invaluable because you did go and open a New York City office and introduce kind of the Eastern view of things when it comes to investments. So I wanted to have you on as a guest today because when we're talking about picking stocks, a lot of this media that you do is talking about the markets and and um, and coordinating with our investment team. But you are a financial advisor, so welcome. Well, thank you for having me. I feel like I, I'm i both grateful for the topic today, but also feel like I can get a little long-winded on the topic. So um, I apologize to everyone listening because I would say this is where I geek out the most and get excited. And, you know, usually uh, with the other media outlets, we don't have 45 minutes of conversation time. You know, it's five, ten minutes. So I look forward to today's agenda and, um, you know, I hope the listeners uh, take away something interesting and a different perspective from what um, we generally talk about on the media side, which is kind of the specific names and the momentum around them. But instead, how does um, a retail investor start to think about this for themselves? Well, frequent listeners to the show know that Bruce and I don't necessarily talk about stocks. And it was interesting that our marketing team said, hey, Nicole, well, she's going to be on. Let's pull this agenda forward and talk about the markets and specifically kind of picking stocks. So one of the first talking points is don't just think about the big brands. You wouldn't believe how many of my clients are saying Apple, Amazon, et cetera. Yeah, and and I think it is very fair, though. You know, um, one of the oldest adages, thank you to Warren Buffett, who is one of the best investors of all time, was buy what you know, invest in what you use, look around your house and say, 
you know, what is it that is predominantly part of my day-to-day life? And when it comes to Amazon and when it comes to Apple, I'm sitting here in this exact moment surrounded by five Apple products, no lie. Um, my TV, if I was to exit my office, every TV in my house is hooked up to Apple TV. So the stickiness of some of these ecosystems makes it very easy to question, you know, should I have more of my money invested there? And thematically last year, that actually really paid off for people. And I was trying to dig up this old statistic because here we sit now and it is, uh, we're closing out September of 2021, but the statistic is from last year. And um, I I really do believe in my own memory here, but 64% of the performance of U.S. equities last year came from the top 20 holdings in the S&P 500. And so last year was a really interesting year in that if you held those really big names, everything north of the financials, which happens around the 10th holding on the S&P 500, you outperformed everything in the entire world. And that momentum has kept up because as we've seen so much new cash enter the markets over the last year, what did people go buy? And this is no new phenomenon. And I remember learning this from you 20 years ago, but everyone chases the momentum of what did great last year. And so it becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, And so I don't actually anticipate the questions around those market darlings to end until there is some type of correction. Um, And I do, and uh, Nicole, I often, and I'm sure you do too, remind the clients that they actually own all those names. And you mentioned the S&P 500. So sometimes clients, they have to see that the name of the stock is in their portfolio, but that's not always the case, right? It's within index. And and the next thing I want to bring up is there's so many people out there that love to uh, sell publications and newsletters, Mm -hmm. and they call themselves experts as to mm-hmm. where to go and what to buy because it's, they make it sound like it's a sure bet. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of things on that topic. One, I just want to go back to something that you said about clients owning those names without knowing it. Um, and if any listener isn't familiar um, you know, with an S&P 500 index as a portfolio holding, um, there's something pretty interesting about it in that they tend to be capitalization weighted. Uh, which means that you own more of those companies that are the bigger names on the S&P 500 than the ones that are the smaller positions. And so you are picking up more of an allocation to those names than you might intuitively think. Um, There's other types of S&P 500 indices that are called equal weighting, and that's where you're actually buying equal amounts of every name, and that's very rare to find in a portfolio. You have to go in search of those types of uh, indices to own. Um, And so I do want to make that clear because I do find that often people are confused by that. Um, And then, Peg, to your second point about these publications, you know, the media is bringing you information in real time, and as are these publications. What we have to remember about the market, though, is the market is trying to price in the growth that we are anticipating 6, 12, 18 months from now. And so, you know, one must stop and think to themselves, what is going to be the next thing that Apple can possibly do Or is it time for a disruptor like Apple to be disrupted, right? And then there are all of these other questions like antitrust. Um, Can a company get too big? Meaning, 
if Amazon's so big now that there is a there is a strong case for saying to Amazon, you have to split up these different business lines into separate companies. Um, and again, publications can't make any guesstimates about those things. Um, and they're really in the business of trying to attract the frenzy of investors or attract subscribers, but they don't have any information that isn't readily available to all the industry professionals. Um, and that's why I think, again, we come back to know that difference between yourself and the risk you're choosing to take as a self-directed investor, working with a broker who is incentivized to broker you a stock and make that sale or that trade, or a fiduciary, which is what Wealth Enhancement Group advisors are. We are fiduciaries who work in the best interest of our clients to identify what the appropriate amount of risk is and then how one constructs an equity portfolio based on the affordability of risk. Uh, and then the other thing I, I uh, deal with every day in, in my practice, and, and I'm sure you do, is it's so easy to get emotional about, you know, I want to make more money or, whoa, 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 I don't want to lose any money. I mean, I just gained all this money, and I would like yeah. to put a stop loss on that. Can you talk a little bit about that fear and greed and loss and gain? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, Peg, you know better than anybody else that I wish I would follow my own advice every time that I give it away um, to the masses. Um, but I don't because even I'm funny about my money. And it's not that I don't trust the underlying data. It's just simply the fact that when it comes to my own money, I have a fear of loss as well. And I know that some of these up-and-coming names, for instance, or some of these up-and-coming ideas are a bit more speculative. Um, and, you know, one of the first things that I always start the conversation with those who are transitioning from being do-it-yourself investors or kind of, um, you know, individuals who are looking at uh, going from just a buy and hold strategy or just, you know, blindly buying into indices over time, because that often can work for a good majority of your life during the accumulation only phase where you're a really long investor. And the most important thing is that you're investing it all, your dollar cost averaging in. But as you get closer and closer to the necessity of utilization, um, that's when I think it becomes more important to be a bit active and a bit tactical in your approach to investing. And so, you know, the first question I'll ask anybody is, um, you know, what was your buy strategy? And then what is your sell strategy? And, you know, at Wealth Enhancement Group, you know, even though we are industry professionals and we're going out and having due diligence calls with um, managed focused strategies on a day-to-day -day basis, um, you know, we're even hearing from these managers today that valuations are in one of two camps. Um, and you hear a lot of this in the media, too, that either market valuations are frothy. Frothy is everybody's favorite word to describe a stretched or excessive market valuation. Um, or the second thing you hear is that these valuations, they just don't matter. And our takeaway at Wealth Enhancement Group is that we actually want our clients to own great businesses and to be prudently sized versus having large concentrated bets. Um, and we actually believe that the market does work in waves about performance. And so if you were to speak with one of the advisors at our firm, you've probably heard about momentum investing, value investing, um, you know, to what degree should one be international or what the small cap bias of the moment is. And so again, it all really comes back to 
diversifying your equities on both a sector and a global basis. And again, just not falling in love with these market darlings and knowing that their time will come to an end as well, though it's still important to have a piece of them in your portfolio. Yeah, and today we are discussing, you know, like picking stocks in a way that actually keeps your financial plan first and foremost. So Wealth Enhancer Group with our comprehensive planning, um, I like what you said in that uh, it's almost like you're telling everybody we better diversify, right? Don't rely on your luck. Uh, Can you address that a little bit in planning? Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, I, before, um, you know, there's always these key words that get thrown around in industries. And I think the first one that I I really want to harp on today, and, you know, I ask anyone who works with Wealth Enhancement Group or or those who don't, um, you know, and you want to learn more, I find this to be really interesting because our industry overuses the word diversification without really defining what we mean when we say that word. And First and foremost, one has to think about diversification in terms of risk. What is the underlying risk of the investment I'm making? Thus far this morning, we've really talked a lot about equity markets, which the underlying risk, if you really boil it down, is business risk. Is this business going to fail, succeed, or outperform? right? That is the driving force behind market performance of an underlying equity position. There are also two other very important aspects of risk that one must take in their portfolio. The second is interest rate risk, and that is the risk of interest rates going up or down. This is tied directly to the fixed income, debt, or bond markets, whichever one of those synonyms you want to use. What we aim to do is make sure that our interest rate risk is not correlated to our equity risk. And that's really important because when equity markets become turbulent, interest rate risk-bearing investments hold strong and generally hold their value as long as they're not correlated to the equity markets. And that third element of risk is inflationary risk. What is the risk that the U.S. dollar becomes weaker or stronger, that the cost of goods goes up or down? And what falls under that camp, because I often confuse people when I talk about inflationary risk, is hard assets. So things like commodities, bricks, sticks, mortar, stone, steel. And as we all know, that's really been a, a predominant theme in the year 2021. So that's the first element of diversification, and I believe that's the one that we forget to talk about, we forget to educate about, because based on the global macro environment of the, of the economic system worldwide, each one of those areas of risk is going, to, is going to act independently of one another, and that becomes a very important component of how does one constrain the volatility while still reaching optimal upside in each one of those sectors of the portfolio. And then from there, one must diversify risk across sector, not risk spectrum, but sector inside of each of those areas of risk. And again, this is where we go a bit deeper into portfolio construction with our clients because it matters when it comes to utilization. It matters that everything in the portfolio isn't highly correlated so that one can go about using investments independently to serve specific specific needs. Well, that is um, a great uh, comment that you're making to the audience today, because I think there is there was a lot of confusion on diversification, and I think you nailed it there by explaining to us 
you know, the details around that. Hey, let's, Susie, let's get listeners involved if we could. And, and we have a great guest today. So uh, anything's on the table as far as questions. All right, very good. Remember that it is 651-461-9226. That is the line to text a question to Peg or Nicole, 651-461-9226. A texter writes, are annuities a good option as part of an investment strategy if a fiduciary pushes them over other options, would this be a red flag? I actually really like that question. Yeah, I do too. Nicole, do you want to start, Nicole? Um, You know, I'm happy to, if you want to chime in after the fact, Peg. I, I think that one of Annuities are a tool in the toolbox that, you know, every fiduciary should be educated in. Um, when one reaches for that tool, it is a specific tool that can, can accomplish many needs for an individual. Um, so I do not think that an annuity is a red flag to be prescribed by a fiduciary. One of the ways I often think about myself as a financial advisor is that I collect data from my clients and then I prescribe. I am prescriptive in the advice that I return to them. And the prescriptive nature of what we do um, means that every tool in the toolbox is available to us because we are not um, we are not incentivized to use one tool over another. And so I I have the confidence that if you're working with a CFP professional, if you're working with someone who puts themselves out there as a fiduciary, that that tool is the tool they are recommending because it's prescriptive to your need. Um, and so that that would be my response. Peg? Yeah, one of the things that I would add is sometimes when we do these um, interviews where prospective clients come and, and want to talk to us about working with us, is they're defining to us that they want no risk, but they want high return. And so that formula is very hard to implement. And so annuities, sometimes insurance companies will say, hey, I'll give you some features and benefits that will limit your downside. But yeah, you might get a little bit more upside, but it's going to cost you a lot more. And as long as, I like what you said, Nicole, but as long as it's described and everything is um, on the open up and up, meaning this is going to cost you more. These are the pros and cons. And you feel like you understand it because what happens a lot of times is uh, prospective clients or even my clients, these annuities can be complex. And so it's hard for them to say, oh, I've got this. I understand every pro and con about buying this because they are complex. So I agree with Nicole that they are a tool and often used because there's uh, people out there that really need to take risks because they may run out of money before they run out of time. And the only way that you can get them to participate in the upside is to have some kind of a fallback on the downside. And, and, um, and I've seen that tool work, you know, with clients before. Susie? Yes, Your Money by the Wealth Enhancement Group. We're talking about picking stocks the right way, as well as any of your questions you have this morning for Peg or Nicole at 651-461-9226. That is the text line, and I will read it to you and let you know what folks are interested in. I just have to tell you a quick story, if you don't mind. 
My mother retired from United Health Group at some time ago, and she gave us all $10,000 of stock, and the price was $34 a share. And if you know United Health Group share price right now, it's about $400. So I sold mine for a mutual fund that many years ago, and mine's at 16000 and my sister kept all of hers in United Health. And she's a skazillionaire. Not really, but. <laughs> and I like that you told that story um, <laughs> in that, you know, there was, and there's so many great companies out there, but that was kind of an element of luck, right? That, right. That, that was the one that your mother held. And that's the one that some of your siblings may have held on to. Because it could have been, and actually the odds, it could have been that it was the complete opposite. Right, Nicole? We've got oh, absolutely. Minute. Yeah, absolutely. I I love a story like that because it's laced with the coulda, woulda, shouldas. Um, <laughs> and, and we and Nicole and Nicole, we hate it all the time because every time it comes up, we're all growling about Kathy and her oh. money. Just to remind you, I folks, mean, I, uh, we have about thirty seconds until we have to hit our break. But go ahead and respond. Oh, no, all I was going to say is I've got a long laundry list of coulda, woulda, shouldas. Some of them I have um, mentioned at the dinner table with my family, and my dad takes action on them, and I don't. And so I've got a whole lifetime. I mean, I should actually write a novel. Works as in- investment advisor and equity analyst, and her dad is the only person who buys her stock picks. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Susie. All right. Very good. It is 829 on WCCO Radio. It is your money, the Wealth Enhancement Group, and the line to call if you have a question, 651-461-9226. This program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group, helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. It is your money on a Sunday morning, 835. Peg Webb and Nicole Webb talking about your money and picking stocks and your questions as well at 651-461-9226. Peg, take it away. Yeah, I wanted to welcome Nicole Webb again on the show. Thanks for coming. Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor, Certified Financial Planner, 15 plus years, most of those with Wealth Enhancement Group, so that is great. And then also uh, just a, a frequent contributor, and she does mostly TV, so now I'm feeling like this radio is super easy because getting on TV and trying to talk about a topic for five to 10 minutes versus 45, as she mentioned in the first half, is a little bit more difficult. So we love her perspective on the round table. Um, we use her advice often when we're uh, talking about clients and prospective clients uh, joining our firm. But so today, Nicole, we've already talked about, you know, picking stocks the right way, but keeping your financial plan first. 
We talked about the big brands, the experts. Maybe you shouldn't just follow them because they think it's a sure bet, but really and truly it probably isn't. Emotions actually get in the way. When it comes to money, there's no question that we happen to deal in a business where, you know, um, emotions can run really high and they can run really low. But uh, we believe we're, we're doing a service for people to keep them on track. And I think we could get some uh, good feedback from clients that say thank you. Because when we do their reviews, they come in and say, thank you for not letting me derail myself. Mm-hmm. So we don't let our clients rely on luck. Um, and I thought what we would do is, um, Susie, if there's any texts or calls now, we could take them. Otherwise, we do have a couple more points that we want to make yet today. Nicole? Yeah, no problem. Um, so a couple of things, Pike, that I just wanted to add to um, the, the list you just went through. And I think conversationally something that, you know, I would suggest you and I kick off this half of the show with is, how important it is to be prescriptive in your investment strategy. And you mentioned this a little bit in terms of it's easy to get emotional, don't rely on luck, nothing is a sure bet, don't invest in only the big names. But what does that really all mean if you're listening today wondering, is my portfolio construction the right one for me? And this is where it comes down to prescriptive investing. I I would ask anyone out there to to be able to look at their portfolio and say, was this prescribed to me? What is the prescriptive nature of my portfolio in terms of my financial plan? Um, one of the things that I mentioned earlier in the hour was how overused the word diversification is and how important it is to look at diversification in a couple of lights the underlying risk factor, the sectors, the global spectrum. And I think that's really commonly spoken about. But the next part is how do you diversify across passive investing, active investing, and tactical investing? And I think that's another three-legged stool that we forget to talk about. It's easy to say, you know, and there's big names out there that preach, you know, passive investing, indices always win. It's a lot cheaper to own an indice. And there's years like 2020 where an indice beat everything else. And so passive investing really paid off. But when the times get choppier again, when we start to see these moments of big disrupt or shake up on a global spectrum, that's when being more active or tactical in your approach is also important. Right now, if interest rates so low and everyone waiting for the Fed to make a decision about when are we ending tapering? How is tapering going to end? Are these accommodations going to stop? Are they going to raise interest rates? Unemployment isn't that high anymore. And so people are sitting on the sidelines and so much cash going, well, I don't want to invest in a bond. They've gotten the narrative a little bit wrong to think that bonds are bad. And and I would say that, that highly stable assets are increasingly important in a portfolio right now. As the markets have recovered to the degree that they have, and we will inevitably go through another 10 20, even more material correction in this market. And I don't know the day and the time. Um, I have no idea exactly when it's going to happen. But when it comes to this topic of picking stocks, what you also have to remember is that in an inevitable downturn, it's really hard to sell stock 
to buy cheaper stock or to add to your stock portfolio if you don't have this fortress or this ballast to you know, to put forward into the market. Um, so again, one of the most important parts of quote unquote stock picking is really again this prescriptive nature of, you know, what is my fortress? How is it invested? Am I diversified across risk spectrums? And then lastly, how am I looking at active, tactical, and passive investing so that based on market conditions, I have a piece of my portfolio that is outperforming the other strategies. Susie, let's take, I heard we got some text. Let's go to the listeners. Yeah, we've got a couple of texts and reminding people that text line is 651-461-9226. It's also the phone line. I know, Peg, you also welcome phone calls if they are relevant and people want to jump in and ask a question. The same line, 651-461-9226. The texter writes in a couple of minutes ago, we talked about Warren Buffett. He has said that the, this is the text, he has said that the non-professional investor should not be in individual stocks. In fact, he has told his heirs to just let their money be in the S&P 500, individual stock buying is expensive and not as tax efficient as the good old index. That's from Steve in Des Moines. Thank you. Your thoughts? Nicole? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like I've come across this exact comment before, and I agree with Warren Buffett 100%. However, I actually do love also working with clients who keep a small a small bit of money um, that they work with directly as a do-it-yourself investor. So if there's any part of a person who's interested in participating in individual stocks and um, kind of reading up on names and doing some more of that speculative work, I do believe that a very small tax efficient, think of it in your IRA or your Roth IRA, um, you know, piece of your overall householded wealth where you're actively participating makes for a great client relationship because they're generally staying up on more of these trends, meaning are cyclicals coming back into nature uh, into favor? What is the interest rate environment doing to the equity market? So if you're someone that enjoys uh, the, the fundamentals and you still want to play a little bit, I agree with Warren. It can be expensive, especially from a tax perspective, but if you if you choose to work with your advisor to carve out a small piece of your net worth so that you can participate to stay on top of trends, I think that that can be very valuable, and it's something that many of my clients do. Yep. Um, but I do I do think the professionals are, are the ones in, in the right chair to be looking at it overall. I was going to ask you, Nicole, because I yeah. think some people love to dabble in it. You know, so while you're mm-hmm. not, not going to lose the house, if you have right. some extraneous you know, money that is not going to make or break you, why not enjoy sort of looking at different things? And not that it's a game, but, you know, that you could, like the old days on the Wall Street show, you know, buy low, sell high, blah, blah, blah. But don't lose your house. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, a a couple of examples for you, um, you know, Susie, is um, as a fiduciary right now at this moment in time, um, you know, we're not making any recommendations because there's not enough data to support um, directly investing in um, cryptocurrency uh, or the underlying technology or cannabis, for instance. Um, 
But I do have clients who are fascinated by the kind of the, the future of that or SpaceX or, you know, um, Kathy Wood is a great investor who does ARC funds and is very speculative in the fact that, you know, the two generations from now, we may very well be living on Mars. And if, <laughs> if that is a, a niche interest of yours and you, you want to participate, then just working with your advisor to find the right place to do it, um, I, I see no harm in that. Well, I think there is property right now for sale on Mars. So, <laughs> but it is, it can be fun. I know we're a very money oriented family and we like to look at portfolios and what stocks are doing. And so it's a, it's a, it can be an interesting and fun pastime if you have that luxury. Well, and then yeah. lastly, I would just add Susie and Nicole that when uh, people come in and interview us and I see their passion for wanting to pick some stocks, I'm the last person that would take that away from them. I said, okay, let's carve out this much money. As Nicole said, you know, um, we can't specifically give you advice, go do this, go do that. But uh, if you have a passion for those things, then go do it. We encourage it because we actually think it's really fun because Nicole and I pick this Mm -hmm. for a living. So Mm -hmm. Want to remind people that you are listening to Your Money, brought to you by the Wealth Enhancement Group, our guests Peg Webb and Nicole Webb, and we're talking about picking stocks the right way. I've been itching to ask you this question the entire show, and I'm going to do it now. What is your okay. relationship? <laughs> Girls. Well, Peg Webb is my mom. <laughs> So you yeah. learned from you learned early on about money then. I, I mean, early in my career, I had this really funny exchange with one of Peg's clients. I don't even know how long ago this was. It was before I ever moved uh, to New York originally. So let's put it at you know seven plus years ago. And she she looked at me and she goes, "How do you know so much? Was it osmosis?" And it has <laughs> stuck with me. Um, you know, through, so yes, I, you know, I don't know if many of the, the listeners today know, but here I am talking about stock picking and, um, Peg actually knows more than anyone I've ever come to meet about the debt markets. Uh, Peg used to be a municipal bond principal before ever, um, being one of the early founders of Wealth Enhancement Group. And if you think the stock market is complicated, um, it has nothing on the bond or the debt markets. If you ask any equity analyst that you ever come to know, they'll say, uh, if you want to know what to do in the stock market, go talk to the bond desks. Um, and so I, I have learned a tremendous amount from Peg over the years. Because it can be quite complicating. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So that's why I think it's important to have an advisor because you sort of always traditionally think, at least I have, you know, bonds are safe, stocks are risky. You know, you sort of have these ideas that are imprinted on your mind. But within each of those categories, there's risks and benefits to each, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And if anybody... Go ahead. Go ahead, Nicole. No, you peg. No, you I was going to say, you know, when it's kind of fun in that, you know, I've worked with people's lives for decades now. And just to watch them live, live through their lives. And um, I get goosebumps every time I talk about my clients because 
when you talk about living through people's lives, you know, you get to share in the good times, but guess what? You actually share in the bad times too. And it all kind of ties back to your money in some way or fashion way. And, and, you know, coaching them through just life and then using money as a tool, you know, to grow your family or, you know, do you the aspir, you know, go do the aspirations that you have in life and, and retirement is such a big milestone to just share that with people is, um, is why I'm so passionate about this. And then having Nicole kind of follow in my footsteps. I mean, I don't know if she even had a chance not to because <laughs> when you're, when, <laughs> when I brought her in at 12 years old, you know, to, to empty the trash cans and, and she said, mom, do, do we have to, do we have to stay here like 10 hours in a row? <laughs> We maybe mix it up a little bit. So, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think I don't answer any other career. Well, I don't know when this went by the wayside, and it's kind of shocking to me that it has, given the world we live in today, being you know more progressive and trying to take more of a stance um, uh, for parity in the workplace. But I remember when you worked in downtown Minneapolis for a big fancy uh, debt issuer. Um, I got to get dressed up in a suit every year for one day a year, and it was bring your daughter to work day. And so I think all through the late 80s and early 90s, that was my most favorite day of the year, and they would have all the daughters of the senior uh, advisors. You know, we would sit in a boardroom, and we would learn little things about <laughs> stocks and bonds, and, I mean, we were just teeny tiny little kids, but it was fun to be yeah dressed up and in downtown Minneapolis. So I, I think I vote we bring back Bring Your Daughter to Work Day. I do, too, once we get through all this COVID <laughs> stuff. Um, I yeah. I do want to ask, though, that, you know, as we're talking about this stocks and picking stocks and, and the financial world that you both live in, for people that are listening that maybe don't have don't make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, can can the smaller person play? Can you still be uh careful about your money and have an investment portfolio. Do you know what I mean? Kind of talk about yeah. who it's, who it's accessible to. Yeah. Don't you think so, that's so, smart? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but there, so a couple of things, um, specifically to that point, uh, it all depends on what your need is from that portfolio. I've met people who have, $100,000 saved, and but they have pensions and they have their Social Security, and all they want is for this $100,000 to make it to the next generation, to be the first generation to be able to leave something behind. So they have no debt. They have steady, predictable income streams that, you know, are likely not going anywhere, and and they have this, this small fortune for them and they have a really long-term risk objective associated with it. And those people can have a, have a meaningful conversation about, you know, taking a little bit more risk than the average individual. So, again, it comes to the prescriptive nature, and I don't think that that is all based on size. I've spent the last five years of my career working uh, in, in New York City, and wealth really is relative. I've met people there with tens of millions of dollars who feel poor every day because their neighbor is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and the lifestyle and the taxes are so debilitatingly expensive. And so 
again, you know, I, I really do think it depends on the individual. And Susie, something that I've been wanting to say is just the right time hasn't happened, um, is that for everything we say today or any, everything I say anytime ab about the markets, at the end of the day, you know, we have absolutely no control over what happens from one day to the next in the markets. And the largest risks are out there and they're around us and we generally just don't know what they are yet, so we're not even pricing them in. My favorite example is the financial crisis. No one knew that on a specific day, a moment in time in 2008, that Lehman Brothers was going to own, unload a, a bunch of really bad investments into the market. Um, and so the, the risks are generally around us for the next catalyst for something bad, very similar to COVID. Um, but we just don't know what they are yet. And so the markets are unpredictable in the short term. And one of the things that always grounds me in the work that I do with my clients as part of Wealth Enhancement Group is I can say everything that I know about the markets today, but I could still be wrong tomorrow because there's so many unknowns. What we really work hard to do is harness the power of what do you have absolute control over on an annual basis, and that is your tax situation. And so, again, it is one thing to have an investment advisor. It's another thing to have an investment advisor who coordinates with your intra-year tax strategy. And I do believe that that's the real intangible value of the roundtable or that coordinated effort between an advisor who understands your tax situation and that prescriptive investment situation. Remember, if you're listening and you have a question or comment, it is 651-461-9226. It is your money on a Sunday morning. Uh, Texter just writes a question about this $100,000 uh, that you mentioned, this person has that and suggesting what to do with that money after taxes. So he says, when he retired in 2011, I put $100,000 into an IRA in a guided solutions account, and now it's at 207. I think that's the question is that that's where you need the guidance is when do you, if you have this money, how do you transition into retirement without messing stuff up, particularly Nicole, as it relates to taxes, because you don't want to misstep. And we right. only have a minute. We only have a minute. Yep. The last thing I'll say about that is one of the beautiful things about an IRA is if you want to change the investment allocation, it's a non-taxable event to you. But if you need to start taking income from that portfolio, every dollar you take out comes out as ordinary income. And so I'm not totally sure on, on the question here, but if it's a question about de-risking in a high market like this, you have the ability to do that without taxation. If it's about taking distributions from the account, that's where a tax professional is so important to help you manage the impact to taxes on your Social Security, Medicare costs on an annual basis. Um, so lots to think through depending on, on if you're still in the accumulation or in the distribution phase. And Peg, can I jump in here with information for folks? If you're listening, if you're on the text line, if you have financial questions, you can call Wealth Enhancement directly 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That number is 888-6-ADVICE, A-D-V-I-C-E. And you can certainly email your questions to yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. 
Again, we invite you to be a part of the show each and every week. Here again is Peg Webb. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for being my guest today, and uh, we have got to wrap it up. All right, and thanks to everyone who participated. Nicole, good to talk to you. I've written some things down. I'm going to start buying some stock later this afternoon. <laughs> 8.56 on WCCO. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey, Inc.